Thank you for tuning into Life Church Podcast. Wherever you are listening from, we hope and pray that God does a mighty work in your life. Enjoy the message. So Brad calls me and he asks, he said, hey, would you like to take today's message? I'm like, I would love to, because we're still talking about kingdom building. And this is something that's very dear, very near to me, to my heart, kingdom building. Because you know what? I realize that I am not going to be here forever. I'm not going to last forever. And at some point, all the things that I'm doing, all the things that I'm building and putting together are going to fade away. So I want to learn how to build something that's going to remain, something that's going to last, something that's going to stay. I hope you figured that out that, that by now that we're not talking, when we talk about kingdom building, we're not talking about building our own personal kingdoms, but we're talking about building the kingdom of God here on earth, something that is eternal, something that's lasting, something that can reign and rule over us and we know that things will be taken care of even when we're gone. I've got kids and it's important for me that I know that when I'm gone that the kingdom of God is strong on this earth to guide them and to lead them, but also to shelter them in their time of needs. So we're talking about kingdom building. And we've been looking at the book of Nehemiah. And we started at the very beginning. We got introduced to this guy named Nehemiah, who was a, a slave. He was a servant to the king. He was a cupbearer, which means that anything that went to the king liquid-wise, he had to taste first to make sure there was no poison in it. And then if there wasn't, he passed it off. That was his job. Listen, that's, that's one of those kind of jobs where you, you might get a little depressed at, you know? You might get a little, not much room for advancement in this job, you know what I mean? You, that's that kind of job where you might just become focused on yourself and decide, you know what? There is no reason to me even trying anymore because this next drink might be it. But we see that Nehemiah was a man who loved God with all of his heart. And we see that God had a plan for Nehemiah. Now there's a message right there because no matter what, where you and I are right now, no matter what our circumstances are, God still has a plan for us. God is still active and moving and he chooses to use us as his hands and feet. Nehemiah was that, that person, that, the hands and feet. And he took that vision of God to go back and rebuild the walls of his city, the city of Jerusalem. Nehemiah goes to the king and he says, hey, king, he said, I need uh, some guards. <laughs> I need some workers. I even need the materials because God's plan, we have God's provision. We see in the story where, where the king says, whatever you need, you take. Take as much as you need. And so there's another lesson right there for us. God's sometimes gonna ask us to step out of our comfort zone. He's gonna ask us to step into something that we say we can't do. And it's at that point that it should ding in our head. Yes, you can't do it. Or should I say, no, you can't do it, but God can. Wherever God directs, God will provide. We need to remember these things as we're going into these dark days of, of uncertainty. We need to remember that God's provision is still there. 52 days later, 52 days later, Nehemiah completes the building of the wall. He's got threats. He's got uh, threats of war. He's, got, he's dealing with people and struggles and issues. 52 days later, because his focus was on God's work, he's able to get it. There's another lesson right there for us. There's so much trying to take our attention away. There's so much trying to distract us today. There is so much that's trying to pull our children away from us. But if we keep our focus and our attention on God, that job will get done and we will get to see the glory and the benefits of that. But we got to stay the course. 
So now we're in Nehemiah chapter 8, and we're looking at repairing the foundations. Now, now we just built a wall, so why are we worried about the foundations? Well, you and I know how important a foundation is. We know that we've got to have that firm foundation to build or a building won't stand. We know the quality of the foundation affects the quality of the structure that we build. And so we're talking today about repairing the foundations. That's my foundation. There we go. Repairing the foundations. Because if you've ever lived in a house, you know over time things shift, things settle. Sometimes it's just that, but sometimes it's worse than that. Sometimes there's an underlying issue that needs to be tended to. But too many times we get comfortable with just the, the quick fix. And so we'll, we'll grab our stuff and we'll say, okay, let's just patch it up right here. And then nobody's going to know. And so we come in here and we do the quick fix. And we think, okay, that looks good, doesn't it? That'll do because you can't see the problem anymore. And we have become a people of that's good enough. And we're, we're quick and easy to patch. We're quick and easy to cover up the outside because as long as you can only see what looks good on the outside, then it doesn't really matter about what's on the inside, right? But when you and I let those foundations crumble, when we let those foundations begin to fall apart, the, the problems never stop. And so we're looking in Nehemiah chapter 8. If you've got your life notes this morning, looking at number one, if you're watching on live stream, I encourage you to, to go to the Life Church of Alabama app, and there you can download the life notes and follow along with us. You can also see a calendar of events, things going on in our church. We're looking at Nehemiah chapter 8. In Nehemiah chapter 8, we're going to be introduced to a new character in this, in this drama. It's a guy named Ezra. You see, Nehemiah had been tasked with building the wall. He had been tasked with handling the physical, but now there's a need to, to deal with the spiritual side of what's happening. And so Ezra is brought in. He's the high priest. We're going to meet him in just a minute. Now, I want you to keep in mind, okay, because all these things that we're talking about here with the foundations in our house have a spiritual side as well. Keep that in mind as we carry on. So number one, if you're following along with our life notes, return. Go back, look at the building plans. We're looking at Nehemiah 8, 1 through 5. And it reads, When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which, is, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak until noon as he faced the square before the water gate and the presence of men and women and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion, and beside him on his right stood a whole bunch of folks, and there was folks standing on his left side too. Verse 5 says, Ezra opened the book, and all the people could see him because he was standing above them, and as he opened it, all the people stood up. Number one in our notes is return. 
there's lots of stuff in this passage right here for us. I, I, I want us to catch this because this is important for where we are right now. You see, it wasn't just a few people that showed up to listen to the reading of the Word of God. It wasn't just the elders. It wasn't just the pastors. But it tells us that all the people were assembled. But it also goes on to tell us men and women and those who could understand. The, the reading of this leads us to believe that it, it was a whole family. The whole families were gathered together. And what I want to ask us this morning is we consider repairing the foundations. When was the last time that we gathered our families together to pray? When was the last time that we gathered our families together to read the Word of God? When was the last time that we gathered our families, our children together, and we demonstrated worship to them as parents? If we don't lead our children, if we don't show our children the right way, let me tell you, someone else will. You and I have to take not just the responsibility, but the honor and the privilege of pointing our children in the way. Because they are called to be kingdom builders as well. In this passage, we see that there was not just a few people gathered. It tells us all the people were gathered. It tells us that they also stood up. Do you, do, have you ever been to a church where they would do that? When, when the pastor would start the reading of the word, the people would stand? Have you ever been to a church? What has happened that, that the word of God has lost its importance in our life? What's happened when we can read the word of God and walk away completely unchanged? What's happened when we can, we can come to the word of God and just take it and move on like nothing's ever happened? We see in this passage where the people stood up, they heard the word of God and they were moved. Listen, when you and I encounter the word of God, we have to make a choice. We can't stay the same. We either choose to agree or disagree. We choose to obey or disobey. There's no in between with God and coming from the word of God, you and I always have to make a choice. And we see in this passage where the people stood. Now, it's also important that we realize that he's reading from the first five books of the Bible. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Not necessarily riveting stuff, but what I want us to understand is we see as we carry through, it was the word of God. It was the word of God and just his words moved these people. There was a time when, when I, and you may do this, and if you do, that's perfectly fine. What I would highlight, have you ever done that? Highlight certain things, certain scriptures. And I had this guy walk up to me one day when I was, I was being like a really good Christian and I was highlighting this verse. And the guy says, so what about these ones you haven't highlighted? Are they not important? And it dawned on me. Every word given to us in the word of God is for us. Every word is there for a purpose. Every word brings correction. It brings joy. It brings us closer to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and then a saving, a, a further knowledge of who he is, who God is, and who we are to him. Every word is important. Even the Old Testament. If you're following along, number two, Respond. How do we respond to God calling us back to him? We'll look at Nehemiah 8, 6 through 9. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm of that age. I have to put on glasses for this. Starting with verse 6. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, amen, amen. And then they bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites Jeshua, Banna, and all his buddies there instructed the people in the law. Eh, that's cheating, isn't it? 
poor old Pastor Brad will get up here and he'll do his best. That's cheating. Verse 7. Well, we'll try that again. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, and all those other folks there, they instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Don't mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. So number two, as we're rebuilding these walls, as we're, we're shoring up the foundations, as we're repairing those cracks and crevices, how do we respond? We see in verse six, they responded through worship. I love worship. It's, it's one of my favorite things. And not just because I get to play on the greatest worship team in the world, but Okay, thank you. But, but, but because here, here's, here's what, what God said to me one day. When, when I get to teach, when I get to preach, you're getting a word that God gave to me. It's coming through a filter. But when I'm worshiping, I'm one-on-one at the feet of Jesus. I'm right there with him to receive what he has for me with no filters, no interpretations, just he and I. And a chance for me to either curl up in his lap and be held or a chance for me to to lay out my petitions. But worship is that opportunity for you and I to come before him one-on-one with nothing else there. That's the beauty of worship. And we see in the reading of the word of God, Nehemiah and the people, they, they were worshiping at the word of God. It's important how we respond as we're learning to repair the foundation. Second thing is understanding. I love this. Do you know, not everybody that comes into church is going to understand everything that's said, right? Uh, We served in a church for five, okay, we served in a church for five years that had a narthex. Do you know what a narthex is? I didn't know what a narthex is, and I was too proud to ask. And we were leaving that church, heading to our next uh, assignment, and I finally asked somebody, what's a narthex? There's churchy words that people are going to hear, and they're not going to understand it. There's, there, there's going to be a time when God speaks to somebody, and they're not going to understand it. So what happens? Do they leave without, without that understanding? No, that's where you and I have the opportunity and the privilege to come in and to sit with somebody and explain the word of God, to explain the love of God, to explain sin and repentance and then redemption and then salvation to somebody who might walk out thinking, hey, God's speaking to me, but I don't understand. There was somebody that took time to share the word of God with me. There was somebody that took time to mentor me. There's somebody that took time with you. We need to, as we're repairing foundations in our lives, we need to be the people that are sharing and interpreting for God, that are speaking for him when others can't understand to help them uh, shore up their foundations. So response, worship, understanding, and then the last, weeping and repentance. And I'm just asking questions. When was the last time that the word of God, that the spirit of God fell on you in such a way that it brought you to your knees, that it, it clouded, it covered everything, it, sh- it pushed everything else away out of your life and you fell face down before God, weeping, weeping. And there's two kinds of weeping. There's weeping because you're sad, but there's also weeping for joy. There's 
two different responses in that, but I'm asking the question, when was the last time that the word of God, that the spirit of God was so powerful on your life and on my life that, it, that all we could do was fall down before him, understanding and realizing, recognizing who he is, who he is. We're talking about repairing the foundations. And the way we respond shows us how that repair is going to go. Number three, as we're talking about repairing the foundation, renew, renew your strength, your hope and your joy. Nehemiah 8, 10 and 12. Nehemiah 8, 10 and 12 and 10, it says, Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food, sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared for this day is sacred to your Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people saying, be still for this is a sacred day, don't grieve. Then all the people went away to eat, drink, and send portions of food to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. Renew your strength. There's a time for weeping, but there's also a time for rejoicing. There's a time to, to say, I'm sorry, but there's a time to move past that through, through God's gracious forgiveness into action and movement. And in this passage, we're seeing Nehemiah, the, the priests are telling him, hey, the, the time for crying's done. Now it's time to get up and let's start doing something. It's time for us to rejoice in the Lord. Do you know, the, the worst thing in the world to me is a Christian that looks like this. Y'all getting that on live stream? <laughs> a sour-faced, what good is it? What good are we if we're walking in this world and we're not living in the joy of our salvation? If we're not living in the confidence of who God is, if we're not living as the light of the world as we've been instructed to do because we're kingdom builders. We're supposed to be building the kingdom for God, an eternal kingdom for an eternal king. And you and I have the greatest jobs in the world. We get to serve and we get to be a part of all that he's doing here. In this passage, we see they're told to get up and go. Stop weeping, stop crying. That part's done now. It's time for you to be the joy of the Lord, to experience that joy, but also to be the joy outside. We should be, we should be that person at work or at school that the other folks look at that don't know Jesus and say, hey, there's something different there. Why is that person not acting like everybody else? We should be that person in our home or, or, or out and about that, that everybody else is freaked out about election results and, and we're walking in confidence because our king is still king. We should be that person that understands that God is not dead. He's not sleeping. He's not shut down for two weeks because of COVID, but he's still active. He's still moving. He still has a plan for this world. He has a plan for you and I. He has a plan for all those people that we pass on the road. And he's chosen to use you and I for that. God is still God. That hasn't changed. He is still holy and righteous and he still brings salvation about. It's time for us to take that sour face off, turn that frown upside down and walk out as the joy and the light of, for the world to see. We're talking about repairing foundations. Renew our strength. Now the literal translation of that verse is, is to del the delight in Jehovah is your strong refuge. Now think about that. When was the last time that you and I ran to God 
When was the last time that you and I hid ourselves in him and not look to our own understanding, our own provisions? When was the last time that we grabbed our family and we went into the arms of Jesus for protection? That stronghold, that image of that is an impenetrable castle. This, this, this would be the thing that you would walk up to, the enemy walks up to and looks at it and goes, mm, not today, and leaves. That's that same kind of stronghold that you and I have available to us, should we choose to use it. God's door is open for all of his people. The only time it gets shut is when we shut it. Stronghold, God is a stronghold. We have to renew that joy. Number four, remember. Remember what God has done for you. Nehemiah 8, 13 through 18 says, on that second day of the month, the heads of all the families along with the priests and the Levites gathered around Ezra the scribe to give attention to the words of the law. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses that the Israelites were to live in booths during the feast of the seventh month and that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill countries and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees and from myrtles and palms and shade trees to make booths as it's written. So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves booths on their own roofs, roofs in their courtyards and in the courts of the house of God and in the square by the water gate and the one by the gate of Ephraim. The whole company that had been returned from the exile built booths and lived in them. From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated like this, and their joy was very great. Day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law of God. They celebrated the feast for seven days, and on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. So number four, remember, remember. In the Old Testament, they used to do a thing called, uh, they, they would build a, a, a place of remembrance. They would take stones and they would pile it up. And it was this place that they could come back to. And every time they passed this stone, they, it was called an Ebenezer. Every time they passed this stone of remembrance, they would stop and they would remember all that God had done for them. They also used this in those times when they were in, in great strife or trials or, 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 or harassments or whatever to remember their God, to remember all the provisions that he had brought. We need to have that stone of remembering. We need to take time to remember in these days all that God has done for us. He hadn't forgotten us. He hasn't stopped. But we need to have that place that we can come back to. In, in this passage, they, they had forgotten all that God had done, all the provisions. And they went ahead and they, they decided, well, hey, we're going to start doing this again to remember. And so they started with the, 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 tab, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles where they would build these little huts out in the field. They, they would do this. God instructed them to do this for several reasons. But it was always during the time of harvest, right before they got ready to harvest the crop. And in this, God shows them. And I think he wants to show us this morning that, hey, who's providing for you? If you will let me, I'll provide for you. He, he's showing them, you also get to be a part of this. They got to work the field. They got to take the harvest in. I'm providing, but I'm gonna let you be a part of this. But here's, here's the kicker for me. He's showing them what's to come. 
There are great things coming, people. There are great things on the horizon. God has a plan that would blow our mind if we could see it right now. And so I'm grateful he doesn't show us but just glimpse of it. But the thing is, the plan is coming. God is moving and the harvest is there and it's ready to come in. He's still saving people. We still have an opportunity to be a part of that. And in this passage, Nehemiah is showing the people through the word of God that we have to remember who he is, what he's done, because in the remembrance, we can have comfort in the future. So if I could get the band to come up. I want us to think about a couple things before we go this morning, because we're talking about repairing the foundations in our, in our lives. So let's take it out of the house and let's make it personal in our lives. Too many times you and I, we're those people who are okay just, just covering things up. We're, the, we're, we're okay with just okay. And as long as you can't see what's behind the patch, then, then that's all right. You don't see the struggle inside. The problem is, is that that Band-Aid doesn't fix things. That patch doesn't fix things. And as nice as that might supposed to look, it's still just as unstable and still falls apart. And our lives are the same way. We've been called to be kingdom builders. We've been called to remember that God is God. And we've been called to be people of joy that worship him, that, that are moved by his words and by his power. We can't forget because it's not just us. It's our children and our children's children who need to know these things. If they don't find it from us, where will they find it? So will you bow your heads to me this morning? I just want to finish. I want to ask two questions. First, I, I want you to ask yourself, ask the Holy Spirit to show me, how does this apply to me? How, do, how does this word apply to me? And then secondly, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you what's next. What have I got to do next? You see, sometimes, sometimes we got to dig out some dirt to fix a foundation. Sometimes we got to take some bad out and bring some good in. Sometimes we have to, to, to separate ourselves from some things to, to enable that foundation to be repaired. And if you're not one of those folks, you need to be one of those people like we saw in, in Nehemiah that's sharing, that's explaining, that's helping everyone else. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. As Abby takes us out in worship, you respond as the Lord leads you. Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you for the plans that you have, that your love never fails. Thank you that we get to be a part of all of that that's going on here, should we choose to. Help us to remember your goodness and your grace and your mercy. Help us to remember the joy of our salvation and that we've been called to be the light in a world of darkness. Thank you, Father, that your love covers all of our faults, all of our sins. And thank you that the blood of Jesus was shed for that. Thank you, Father, that there's no damage in our life that can't be repaired if we hand it off to you. Father, make us people who, who continue to hold a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other, who continue to repair and to build, but also stand on guard against the enemy. Father, my prayer is that is that our, each one of us will respond in the way that you have called us to respond. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Podcast. Join us next week as we continue our current message series. You can stay connected with us via social media. Just search Life Church Hartzell or Life Church Coleman. We hope you have a great week.